Years ago, everything that we would do, we're going to swing for the fences, heavy, heavy investment, and then go for it. And then we decided that we needed to get more nimble. We needed to put several irons in the fire at a smaller level and see how consumers react behaviorally, because many of the insights is based on what people say they're going to do. But you really don't know until you, you put it out in the market. And we've developed the ability, the platform, the structures in order to be able to do that at a smaller scale and then allow that to evolve over time. From McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. That was Brendan Whitworth, Chief Executive Officer of Anheuser-Busch and Zone President North America of global brewing giant AB InBev. He was appointed to his role in July 2021 after leading AB InBev sales across the U.S., Today, we have the pleasure of welcoming Brendan to our podcast to share his vision for the brewer's next phase of growth. Brendan spoke with Ed Little, a senior partner in our Dallas office and a leader in our consumer goods practice. Now, over to Ed. Well, hi, Brendan, and welcome. Great to be here. So you're relatively new to the role of CEO. Perhaps we can start off by hearing a little bit about your journey to the current position. Sure. You know, I think as I look at my professional life, if you will, I kind of break it up into, into three chapters. Spent eight years in government service that's, that was split between the Marine Corps and the Central Intelligence Agency. Service to the country was and continues to be very important to me. But if you go sort of beyond that, the Marine Corps was trial by fire in terms of leadership. Brand new, young, second lieutenant, having the opportunity to lead you know, an amazing group of Marines. And I think even in addition to that, in many cases, you, you live in a particular region or geography that has a particular way of going about things. I and mean, in the Marine Corps, you know, those Marines were from all walks of life. And I think with the, the CIA, you know, you learn that tomorrow is, is always going to be wildly different than today and always kind of expecting the unexpected. And not to get frazzled by it, but digest whatever is happening and, and take action. And then uh, I started a, a career in CPG. That's what I transitioned into after and started at PepsiCo, which was an amazing place to, to learn the world of, of business and the world of consumer packaged goods. Started in a, in a manufacturing plant, moved into several different commercial roles in the field predominantly. And then, uh, you know, kind of throughout all of my, my, my adult life, if you will, I've been a Huge fan of Budweiser and Anheuser-Busch. It's what I always have and continue to drink, Budweiser, and now the, a much broader part of our portfolio. And I got a call from a recruiter um, that said there was an opportunity at Anheuser-Busch, and that was about eight years ago. Um, started in our, in our global business where not only had the opportunity to learn about the, the industry in the United States, but learn about our other global markets and our approach to the business. And then had multiple positions at Anheuser-Busch starting in the field, as a, as a region vice president, and then different leadership functions across different roles in the commercial organization. And then for the last four years was our, our U.S. chief sales officer, where I had the opportunity to help build uh, and implement our 10-year strategy, which we're currently four years into. Excellent. And as you've stepped into the, to the CEO role, anything that has struck you, surprised you, any misconceptions that people may have about the role? You know, it's hard to say misconceptions. What's most important is that 
the the leader and and their personality and their leadership approach is the right fit for the culture of any particular organization. And you know, in my view, a, a CEO should set direction um, so everyone knows, everyone on the team knows kind of where they're headed. And having had the benefit of not only eight years in the company, but four years uh, as the chief sales officer supporting this role, we had a lot of continuity in, in coming into the the position. And speaking of uh, setting direction, you know, as the CEO, it's your job to set the direction of the organization. And and how are you how are you communicating that vision and marshalling the team at AB to to support the vision? Sure, the vision having having had the opportunity to um, be close to this position over the last four years in my in my previous role, you know, I believed in in what we were building and. It's oftentimes we say if you have small dreams, you can expect to have fairly small results. And for us as a company, we actually just launched a new a new purpose where that's captured in there that we dream big to create a, a future with more cheers. So for us, it's about dreaming big um, and and also making a meaningful impact that that everyone can can celebrate. So in addition to our our purpose, we have a clear objective, which is to lead future growth for the industry. The consistency in the the dream, the consistency in the strategy, I think is critical because when people start to learn new frameworks, new vocabulary words, new ways to look at the opportunities in the business, then they become committed and they then they also speak in the same language. Re- regarding the objective, which uh, you said was leading future growth for the industry, what is the industry in this case? Is it beer? Is it beverages? Is it, you know, anywhere, a, any occasion where a consumer might say cheers? How, how do you think about AB? You're, you're moving beyond beer, uh, sure. seltzers, tea, wine, et cetera, different beverage types. So how do you define AB and how do you define where it plays? You know, first and foremost, we are uh, a beer company. That's what got us to where we are in recent times. And then for us, a number of years ago, we looked at what is the quote-unquote total addressable market for a variety of different opportunities that could be considered adjacent to um, what got us here to, to where we are right now, which is beer. And then that led us to take a look at things like ready-to-drink cocktails, broader spirits, ways that we can look at our um, core capabilities and that's everything from consumer insights to amazing brand marketing to our ability to produce to our ability to distribute to the partners that we have, as I mentioned, in our, in our kind of broader industry ecosystem. And then understand if we use those things the right way, you, you can expand the total addressable market. There's Beyond Beer that has maybe different elements of alcohol into it. Maybe it's generated by spirits. Maybe it's generated by wine. But then as well, non-alcoholic. And then as well as a company, we've done a lot on on technological transformation. We look at it in terms of digital transformation that enables our business that, you know, isn't something that maybe faces a consumer or faces a customer, but makes us better in in how we understand the industry and what we're doing in it. Um, And then there's ways that technology is consumer or customer facing. So we have what we would consider to be an industry-leading business-to-business solution called Bees, where we make it a lot easier for customers to place orders. So then our system 
can fulfill those orders and, and there's ways to communicate with those, those customers as well. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And you guys had an investor presentation recently where you, you talked about the, the strategy. And I thought it was interesting that digitizing and monetizing the ecosystem was one of the sort of three, I think, three key pillars alongside leading in beer. You mentioned bees. Maybe you could uh, add a little color to digitizing and monetizing the ecosystem and how that's going to come to life at, at AB. Yeah, it is, a, it is a tool to allow decision makers, people that own accounts that sell our products, sell our portfolio, gives them the ability that I think it, these days is extremely expected from a consumer or customer standpoint to, to do things at, at their leisure and do things with the ability to be fed a lot of information to help inform their decisions. And so that's kind of what Bees is. It puts the tool in the hands of the decision makers so that when they want to place their orders, they have the right information. They can do it when it fits their schedules, the dynamics of, of their businesses. And, and Bees just adds in an incremental way to increase service to those accounts. Let me, let me go back to your comments about dreaming big. Sure. We repeatedly hear, and it's, it's borne out in, uh, in our research, that making bold moves, bold strategic moves is essential to outperforming. But we also find that it's really hard to overcome risk aversion, both personal risk aversion and organizationally. How do you tackle that challenge? Or said differently, how do you get your teams to dream big and to pursue those dreams and overcome that risk aversion so you can make really bold moves? Yeah, I think maybe this kind of goes back a little bit to the culture that I, that I mentioned. We have a open dialogue as an organization. We have transparency and our employees act like owners. And that gives us confidence in what people bring to the table in terms of solutions, in terms of decisions. And so first and foremost, I think it those bold moves depend upon the confidence that we have in our organization and the people that make up our organization, because those are the ones that bring the ideas. And those are the ones that ultimately we give the responsibility to, to execute those ideas. And then I think secondarily, probably resource allocation to the best of our ability, we try to decentralize so that in these big, bold moves, people are resourced sufficiently in order to be able to do it. And I think you can take an example of we established a distinct Beyond Beer organization inside of Anheuser-Busch a few years ago to resource and support this adjacent part of our business. And that organization, we created the P&L so that we understand how much we resource that organization and then have the accountability down to what that organization can deliver from top to bottom. You mentioned decentralizing regarding resource reallocation, and you talk about empowering the team. What are the decisions, resource reallocation decisions or other decisions, what are, what are the decisions that, that you reserve as CEO, or at least that you really focus your time and energy on? Yeah, I think probably where I have the greatest amount of 
I don't know, influence, if you want to call it, in, in those decisions is really how we set up and establish our one-year plans. And, and we go through a fairly rigorous process. Got it. Thank you. Let me um, switch topics a bit on you to, uh, to innovation. I've heard AB talk about the idea of innovation as a mindset. How does that come to life throughout the different segments of your business? I think that when we look at innovation, we divide probably it into two major groups. There's innovation that is the what, and then there's innovation that is the how. And the what, those are our products. Those are new ways that we're able to bring solutions to consumers based on our insights that fill a need and connect with them. And those are represented in our brands and, and represented in our portfolio and you know, things that we, we send out to market. And, and there's a lot that people can see, touch, and feel. But then there's the innovation of like how. And, and that's where we kind of get away from the brands and go into how we're enabling the business. So I think some of the things that I've already mentioned, whether it be technology that enables the business or technology that people see out in the market, that innovation mindset we bring with the same rigor and excitement into how we enable the business. And I think we've made a lot of strides in that area over the last kind of four to five years. I think, you know, there's a lot of things that happen across a broad portfolio that, that is sold at over or close to 500,000 accounts on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. That's a lot of information to, to organize. And those accounts are very diverse. They're in different parts of, of different states. They have different profiles, different parts of the portfolio exist there. And, you know, if we didn't bring technology to bear to understand how that all works and how we can optimize it, as amazing as our teams are, we just can't think through that the same way that a solution, a technological and data solution can think through that. So we started to develop the locally optimized learning algorithm, organizes all that information, it delivers us insights, it, it shows us what's an optimized portfolio for an individual account. And in order to make that even better, we've brought an amazing amount of data scientists, PhDs into the organization to help that get better each and every day. And as you think about innovation, I'd love to hear more about innovation that you're proud of that has been successful and maybe innovation that what didn't meet your expectations and in particular what did you learn or what has the organization learned about how to improve the odds of success of innovation? Sure. Probably years ago, everything that we would do, we would approach it that we're going to swing for the fences, heavy, heavy investment, and then go for it. And then we decided that we needed to get more nimble. We needed to put several irons in the fire at a smaller level and see how consumers react behaviorally. Because you can do as many insights, insight studies, consumer studies, everything that you can. And a lot of that is kind of attitudinal, right? Because many of the insights is based on what people say they're going to do. But you really don't know until you, you put it out in the market. And, and we've developed you know, the ability, the platform, the structures in order to be able to do that at a smaller scale, and some of the irons on the fire simply do not work, and that's okay. And if something doesn't work and you spend a couple million dollars on it, that's fine. 
uh, if something doesn't work and you spend $50 million on it, maybe that's not fine. That is less than fine. That is less than fine. That would be less than fine. That is less than fine. Yeah. And so we've gotten much better relative to our ability to understand consumers, understand them dynamically, understand them at a high frequency, and then get their feedback as we move through the innovation process. Then we put items in market in a deliberate way, not in a casual way. So if you go back to the locally optimized learning algorithm, that does tell us what would be the right locations, the right places, the right accounts to put some of these things out in the market and see how the consumer reacts. And then we move through a, a phase of launch, seed, grow in, in terms of allowing these brands to grow. And it's okay. It's okay when they fail. And I, I know that like this is used as well. Like we celebrate failures as much as we do, you know, wins, but we, we sincerely do. But you have to have multiple irons in the fire so that a few things will work out. That's been our approach to innovation and how we've adjusted kind of over the last probably four to five years. Fantastic. Let me ask about sustainability. Obviously, environmental issues, sustainability issues have become more and more important to a a range of stakeholders. How are you addressing those issues? How are you addressing sustainability uh, at AB? Sure. We set a pretty aggressive, what we would consider to be industry-leading goals for 2025. And we kind of break it up across four main areas. One would be renewable energy and and carbon reduction. And we can proudly say that 100% of our purchased electricity will come from renewable resources and CO2 emissions across our value chain will be reduced by 2025. And I'm proud to say that in June, we're bringing a solar field online in Texas. Our US portfolio is now brewed with renewable energy from wind and solar. So 100% of our our domestic, uh, domestic production. Sun brewed beer. That's Sounds it. Good. We use water uh, to, to brew beer. So water stewardship is a big one for us as well. And all of our facilities that make our amazing brands are engaged in water efficiency efforts. And we've reduced our water usage by almost 30% across our 12 major breweries over the last 10 years. So smart agriculture is one. And 100% of our direct farmers will be highly skilled, connected, and financially empowered Um, And there's a lot that we do working with them, barley farmers and and others as well, in terms of of how we work and work with them in the management of the crops. And then circular packaging. So 100% of our packaging will be made from majority recycled content or will be returnable. So we break our sustainability agenda across four main areas, renewable energy, water stewardship, smart agriculture, and, and circular packaging. We set our goals. As I mentioned before, we dream big with those goals. If you dream small, you're going to get small results. Um, and we're excited with the, the progress that we've made. Excellent. You know, you've come into the role in obviously a very fast-paced, volatile, challenging time during the pandemic. What have you learned from your experience so far and how did it change your approach I think many companies found out things about themselves and and their people and, you know, in many cases, their cultures as well during the last kind of year, two years. But I think we've learned that we're more flexible and and agile than maybe we we gave ourselves credit for. And 
what's a good example of that is you get into, we're coming right out of Super Bowl, which is a big milestone event for us every year. We have our brand plans that going right into March Madness, which is another important season for us, if you will, in our brands and kind of things that we do. We had ads shot. We had communication done. We had what we were going to do over the summer and all the way kind of through till till the end of the year, built around our one-year plan. And very quickly, everything changed. So consumers started thinking about very different things. And a lot of our planned communication was became inappropriate for the for the for that time period. And and that kind of allowed us to think different, get different tools, connect with people differently to understand what they're thinking. So we can be, we can adjust our brand plans. We can adjust, we can adjust our communication. So not only did we have to change the plans that we had, we had to change our ways of working in order to get new plans put in place. And so that'd be an example of like marketing, but we also make amazing products. We make a lot of them. We distribute them. And if you look at our, our supply organization, we were able to even pivot. And I, I mentioned before about our strategy being built around our capabilities and what we're capable of doing. Um, and then how we can build out from the core of our business, leveraging those capabilities. And during the early stages of the pandemic, we were looking at those same capabilities and trying to understand like what we can do to help. And so we did things where we shut down lines, we started to make hand sanitizer, we started to talk to some of our partners in order to be able to leverage stadiums, sports stadiums for testing, for vaccination. So we looked at our capabilities and understand how, and tried to understand how we could help. That's great. How do you make sure that these ways of working, flexibility, the agility, what you discovered about yourselves, how do you make sure those positive aspects stick? I think for us, it was a proof case of how we thought about ourselves up until that time and only reinforced who we think we are. Because we really put a lot of time, attention, and effort and how we bring amazing talent into the organization that has to be a cultural fit for us. And so I think that the amount of time and effort that we spend on that really showed us that it's time extremely well spent. And how has it, how has it impacted your consumers and what they expect and how you serve them? There was, there was definitely some, some near-term changes in Consumers becoming shoppers and then finding our products maybe in different locations than where they had found them before. And that's more like channel shifting, meaning, you know, bars and restaurants were, sure. were, were, were closed. People were finding our brands in large format supermarkets, small format convenience stores where maybe they would have otherwise consu- uh, participated in the industry or or consumed our products in bars and restaurants. So there was definitely some channel shifting that started early. And we, you know, we reacted in order to be able to continue to, to adjust. And, you know, that comes down to where we produce, how we produce, you know, th- time in the manufacturing line that had been allocated to kegs, being allocated to bottles and, and things along those lines. And we pivoted quite quickly. Pack sizes, because occasions changed and things like that. But 
or we were thinking that there was going to be some stickiness to more in-home uh, consumption occasions versus out-of-home consumption occasions. But if you look at the on-premise part of the industry now, it took some time for overall channel performance to come back. But, you know, it's pretty much back to where it was in 2019. On You mentioned, you know, where and how you produce. Obviously, many companies are experiencing, you know, quite severe supply chain issues and disruptions. How are you navigating those supply chain challenges? Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, we're, like many, many others, encountering some supply chain disruptions. And I think it's just a current reality that we're, that we're navigating through. You know, there was a lot of things that we did with the business, again, over the last four to five years, although we weren't preparing for the pandemic or anything along those lines, we were really getting better at what we do. And a lot of that preparedness has, uh, has delivered, you know, incremental benefit because it's allowed us to navigate the last kind of couple years with much better results than maybe we otherwise would have had we not been making the adjustments to our supply chain, how we work, how we distribute, how we work with our, our, our industry partners. Okay. Well, hey, as we, as we close here, let me ask you one more question about you uh, personally. How have you been prioritizing your time? How are you as CEO also finding time to take care of your own well-being. What I've had the ability to do most recently has been able to spend more time outside of the commercial organization because that's where I spent a lot of my time for the last four plus years. And that is getting into other facets of the business, the supply, the amazing supply chain organization that we have, the breweries, understanding uh, and getting deeper. Obviously, I worked with my, my colleagues before that, that, that lead all of those other functions, but now I get the opportunity to go even deeper to see you know, how I can support their ideas on, on how we can get better and then be able to enable those ideas. I think on the personal side, I've got two amazing young daughters, an amazing wife. I, uh, my daughters are five and two. You know, five and two-year-olds are, uh, are who they are. Uh, <laughs> and their needs are what they sure. are. Yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that in and of itself um, takes, uh, takes some time and energy to be the right dad in those, in those ways. Um, but that's an enormous amount of fun and enormously rewarding as well. And then, you know, from a, my own health and well-being, what I try to do is get up early and work out. I do CrossFit and I have for a number of years. Some of the best thinking that I feel like I do is early in the morning when I'm doing that kind of stuff. So, and that's how I try to strike balance. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Brendan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing. We really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion. As always, we'll share a transcript of the conversation on the Inside the Strategy Room podcast collection page at mckinsey.com slash ITSR, where you can also easily explore our library of more than 100 previous episodes. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future podcast, just email us at inside the strategy room at mckinsey.com. 
Finally, if you'd like to receive alerts on our latest insights, you can sign up on our podcast collection page on mckinsey.com slash ITSR, follow us on Twitter at MCK Strategy, or connect with us on LinkedIn on the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again soon inside the Strategy Room.